Hey everyone, hey and welcome back to yet another episode of Alpha Metallica. This is your host, Tom Quee here. We are back yet again. We are covering another song. This is actually the final Diamond Head cover that we are covering. Uh, madly looking back, all four of these Diamond Head songs come off the one album, Lightning to Nations album. And it, it's been great, all these discussions looking back, all the way to Am I Evil, which I think was like the third or fifth episode or something like that with Martin Popoff, up to today. And, you know, as we always do, I want to shout out the socials, follow us at MetallicaPod, get in touch with MetallicaPod at gmail.com if you want to hop on the show i've got a quick email to read out in a moment patreon is there patreon.com forward slash alphatallica where episodes like this go on there first you basically get access to a little rss feed you can download them straight to your phone i put other stuff on there as well such as my recent episode going through the grand history of all the metallica support bands and you know i am aware dear listeners that as we're nearing the end there's quite a few things i haven't done episodes on that i definitely need to cover i definitely need to do a some kind of monster episode for example and i also want to continue Continue my series. You might remember my series I did with John quite a while ago. Going through So What? Going through Metallica's magazine. I'm thinking about the best way to do that. I kind of want to do a video version of that, looking at the articles and stuff, but I don't know whether the copyright devils might pull me down straight away. But yeah, series like that and episodes like that will go on the Patreon first. iTunes is there if you enjoy the show and you want to help the show out. Please leave us a review. Go onto YouTube, subscribe on there as well. Comment down below. You know, Twitter, Patreon. I mentioned all the things just there. And today I'm joined by guests as I always am this guy is actually from New Jersey New Jersey Rick how's it going sir it's going great Tom thanks for having me and you um you became a fan like 1984 1985 so I hope you won't, won't mind me saying we're going back quite a way here yeah I'm uh getting older unfortunately but I've been Metallica for a very long time um I had an older cousin when I was a young teenager who I used to babysit us a lot, and she had amazing taste in hard rock and heavy metal music, and she turned me on to a lot of things. Um, She let me onto Iron Maiden, Rush, Mm -hmm. ultimately led me to Ride the Lightning, and uh, it doesn't take much to blow your mind when you heard those first few minutes of uh, Ride the Lightning. God, God bless her as well. Maiden and Rush as well. It's like you always need someone like that. Like my cousin Peter was that similar figure, like that slightly older connoisseur that just is the gateway drug, right? Absolutely. I mean, for such an impressionable young, any person, having somebody of that age, a little bit older, teenager years, who's just so much more, seems worldlier than you are, it just blows your mind. So you were 11 when you were getting into this music then. So, you know, you were really following them when they were getting really popular. Like, were you getting the albums when they were coming out? You know, like, what sort of fan were you? Were you rocking the t-shirts to high school? Like, a little bit, not not too much. I mean, I in terms of getting the music, yes. I, I we had a local. Um, I grew up outside of New York City, so we had a lot of access to rock and roll music in stores and in record stores. And so there was a great record store that my cousin would take us to, and she would point out the cool albums to buy, and and we would pretty much she would buy them, and we would tape them initially. Mm-hmm. But then once you get into high school, yeah, I started to get into the shirts, and I grew my hair out, and I looked like an idiot, right. and. Uh, but I had all the I had all the trappings of an of a teenage Metallica fan. Yeah, I'm, I'm jealous to have gotten into them in that, in that era. Just music in general, hard rock in general. There, that was a a golden period. So, just before we get onto the day's song, uh, the cover of the Prince, just want to read out a quick email that I got from Stu. He says, "Hi Tom, I hope you're well. My name is Stu, and I'm a big fan of the show. I just wanted to get in touch, wondering if you could help me find anyone who want who would like to come to Metallica's Twickenham concert in London with me this June 20th. I just have the one spare ticket, which is a hefty hundred 
120 pounds, including all the bullshit fees. I'll be selling it at face value for a lower East Stand seat. I don't really know many Metallica fans personally. Certainly none who are willing to spend that sort of money on a ticket. So it would be great to find someone just to share it with. The offer is open to, of course, to you as well. Um, so, I mean, as, as you guys will know, I'm going to that show. My ticket actually came recently. I have a much worse ticket than Stu. It's literally probably the worst seat in the house. Proper nosebleeds. But I yeah, obviously had to see them. And, um, you know, people, anyone that's going to that show, and I reached out the offer to Stu as well, um, let's meet up beforehand. Like, you know, I, I, I want to do my own Nashville-type pie that Metal Your Podcast did. So, you know, we'll meet up, have a few beers before and get in touch with me there. But um, Stu just concludes, uh, you know, his name is Stu. He's 23 from Gloucestershire and a friendly enough guy. So um, if you guys are interested in this ticket and because you know, pretty much all the tickets are available at the moment I think there's a few left might have sold out actually but I haven't really looked for a while are like my tickets are pretty crappy tickets so if you want a much better ticket email me metallicaproductgmail.com and I'll get you in touch with Stu and then kind of first come first serve but yeah if you guys do want a slightly better ticket if you're in the market for one maybe you have a friend who hasn't got one or whatever let me know that metallicapod at gmail.com but um let's get on to the song Rick like Diamond Head for you? Are they a band at all in your periphery, or is it more just like Metallica cover them? Uh, only through Metallica. I certainly tried at those early years when Metallica was covering out and putting a lot of these songs out to get into them. Obviously, it was more difficult because those albums weren't as easily available as some of the other ones. But yeah, you know, they, they sound very new wave of, of oh, British yeah. heavy metal. Early Iron Maiden, the singer even kind of has a little bit of a Paul Diano sound. Definitely. Definitely, yeah. uh, but they they, they they certainly don't age as well as some other songs. I don't think. No, no, that's definitely fair to say. I mean, they're hugely influential band for a band that's not really that well known. And you know, I always say when we mention mentioning this a fourth time, they're from Stourbridge in England, which you know most people sort of shrug out where Stourbridge, little market town. I used to I used to go swimming with my with my dad and my brother when I was a child in Stourbridge. So it's odd to kind of have these memories and then think of Brian Tatler and Co. But uh, yeah, they are a cool band, and they're from like the mid 70s like you know they really were uh, the forefathers in a way you know you speak about metallica and and covering songs there it's such a great part of their lineage isn't it that they they pay homage so well you know in such a plentiful supply there's so many bands they've turned people onto oh absolutely and i've bought a ton of albums and cassettes back in the day of bands that i've listened to once simply because metallica basically recommended them or, or put them on to me they they were very important in getting me into the Misfits, which became a lifelong mm. passion and some of that early punk stuff. Glenn Danzig's from a town about 15 minutes from here. So there was a lot of that early uh, following music that Metallica laid out the, the, the path for. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I myself, I've been getting into Discharge a hell of a lot recently, just from the more I see cover. Check out the episode with Dave that we did as well. Budgie, always enjoying Budgie, and that was kind of compounded by Metallica there. Um, now, The Prince, this is on Garage Inc., as most people have discovered it, but um, it, it wasn't one of the songs they recorded specifically for the double disc. In fact, it was the B-side to the one single, as well as the uh, bonus track on the Japanese pressing when Justice for All, which I wasn't aware of. Like, when did you first hear it? Was it on Garage Inc.? Was it prior or... Oh, it was back in the day. It was on a ba- it was on a B side of a Harvester of Sorrow release, okay, cool. and I think it had been on some bootleg tapes that I might have had some access to. Um, so it was a, a a song I took to immediately. I think it's one of the best of the of their covers, and maybe my favorite Diamond Head cover. Yeah, I completely agree. It definitely is one of the best of their covers. I mean, let's get into the song. Lars leaning, leaning us in with that hi-hat count. Into that breakneck riff. 
it really feels quite choked, doesn't it? It's full force. It's so affecting and powerful. It's great. It just rocks right off the bat, and it's that 5-7 area they love mm-hmm. to play in. Um, you know, a ton of songs that, that work off that general part of the neck, and it just goes from the beginning and starts right into the uh, solo, yep. which is pretty unique. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a little trivia here for you if you want to play a game. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> how many solo? How many songs of original Metallica songs have the solo before the first verse? Wow. I'll give you a hint. It's between five and fifteen. Damn, damn. Oh man, um, that you put me on the spot there to really think about. I mean, I mean, obviously, there's kind of the ballads that that happens yep. quite a lot. And like, would you count them as solos? You sort of fade to black, one, etc. They're kind of extendedly yes. pieces. I'm counting those. Yeah. Yep. Um, hmm, let's have a think. What else is between there? five and fifteen? Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll go, I'll go around ten. There must be around that that number, right? 12, very 12, good guess, 12. including those ballads. I'll just throw a couple names yeah. out. Uh, no Remorse. Yeah. Uh, I included Trapped Under Ice is in there, which yeah. is a unique one. Uh, and actually, most recently, both Here Comes Revenge and Am I Savage have it. Yes, yes, that's true. Yeah, yeah, definitely Am I Savage, yeah. And uh, so, but, it's, but it's pretty rare, it is. It is, it is, yeah. And, you know, th- I mean, the solo itself, with Kirk playing, he's kind of building up in the edge of the song and then erupting into some real full-force fireworks, you know, the whole shebang, tapping, squealing, and it's quite prolonged as well. It definitely goes on. It doesn't feel like a little intro lead break. It's like a proper solo unto itself great playing here from him right i love it i love the and he follows the solo of the original pretty closely until the end yeah the end of the original solo gets a little off it doesn't sound like it follows as closely as kirk's does which uh-huh. maybe it's just because i like kirk's better but yeah yeah but, but no you're right brian tatler that lead player is an outstanding player in diamond head like, you know, yeah. really ahead of his time in that as well. And then it kicks into another money riff. Down, 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 down. You know, using yep. the pedal point that a lot of metal bands will employ. But again, just terrific. Yeah, absolutely. It's just one riff after another in this song. And it's, again, totally new wave of British heavy metal. The different parts and the and the pieces of the song that fit together. Just a great riff all the way through. It is. It is. And, you know, it just has this barreling momentum. I mean, you know, their version, Metallica's version, is two minutes shorter than diamond heads so they really take off a lot from what i gather uh, comparing the pieces um they don't employ the harmony lines that we'll get into again that repeat in the diamond head version there's kind of a a slower breakdown at the end as well of the original version um lyric wise what would you make of the prince that's uh, again very new wave of british heavy metal <laughs> yeah, yeah. guy selling his soul to the devil uh-huh. how many of every metal band from 75 to 90 probably has a song like yeah. that Definitely. So it's fun, and it has one of my favorite moments. First of all, it has the the James whoa, yeah, which yeah. doesn't do a ton of whoa's in his songs, he really. Doesn't. No, you're right. So he follows that pretty closely in the um, chorus, and then not to jump ahead a little bit, it has one of my favorite moments of any Metallica song. I call it my boner moment. It's after the breakdown, they bring back to the main riff. And he goes into the final verse and he screams out that, I was born a foal. Mm. And he goes on. Just a great moment. You're in the car. The music's loud. And you just 
belt that out it's so much fun yeah yeah and narratively the progression of the song yeah it is the prince the prince of darkness as you say so the first verse is sort of the protagonist encountering him you know building him and the second verse is kind of talking about who he is as a person and, and what he wants to do as well the changes he wants to encounter and then the third is the faustian pact you know i don't care for heaven uh, don't you look for me to cry or burn in hell from the day i die like yeah, it's very kill em all, isn't it? And it's lyrical matter. Like you can see the influence so much in this song on so much of the band. Yeah, it really fits in well with that time period. The, the, even though it was recorded later, the the song and the and the material, like you said, fits in perfectly for those early kind of copy songs that they would do. Yeah, and and Diamond Head, you know, they straddled that in between water. You know, you would, I guess you would call them heavy metal, or they were kind of the progenitors of heavy metal, but they had these kind of classic rock affectations that the band take on in the cover. Like, I like after the chorus, I agree with you, I love that, oh, like, I love James singing that in the chorus, I think it's great, and um, when it goes back to Newstead, he gets a little moment with the bass playing. Yeah, and it's pretty much the only moment that you hear him. It's got that very, it was recorded during the early and justice for mm-hmm. all sessions with Mike Clink. And it's got that no bass sound except for that little doo 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 which is just a great little riff. That's it. I mean, um, the original, I don't know how much you've listened to it, but the bass is like a proper instrument in the original. It's really doing its own thing with the melodic lines. Absolutely. In the beginning, it actually leads the song a lot yeah. more than the than the riff does in the beginning of the original. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's a shame. I wonder if Jason would sit around saying, I could I could play that. Yeah. And they just said, nah, no, thanks. <laughs> no, thanks. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, speaking of the original as well. So in the Metallica version, you know, we just we get the drums, then we kick into this riff and it's really got a stranglehold on you. Whereas in the original, the riff's still there, but it's like an organ in the background. It feels a lot more yeah, spacious. Yeah. Yeah, never, you know, a lot of those early 70s, those 70 bands kind of have those lingering organs. They never really do it for me. But mm-hmm. yeah, it, it pops up here and there in the song. And, and I think it's probably a good thing that Metallica didn't decide to add it. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're kind of, they are Metallicanize it. I always use that verb. And they're kind yeah. of stripping it down. You know, they are just kind of weaponizing the song a bit. And that wouldn't really make sense. And I can't really think of much organ in Metallica. I don't think it really worked in that scheme. But, no. um, but yeah, it's all the better for it. And then as the song pushes on, we kind of have another kind of riffy section after the second verse into more progressive territory, more Finn Lizzy Maiden territory. I, lo- I love the kind of harmonizing guitar lines. They really build up well with the drums charging underneath. Yeah, that great, that breakdown section. Mm-hmm. Again, very new wave of British heavy metal. Yeah. Slow it down a little bit. The original's actually got a lot of that keyboards, and if yeah. the original's actually almost a little, I want to say, dancey. Sure. It's, sure. it's got a weird, like, flow to it. Uh, Thankfully, again, Metallica just kind of plows through. Yeah. But then build it back up. New wave of British heavy metals. Uh-huh. Don't go back to that main riff. Go back to the guitar mini. I mean, you can't, you can't get better than that. And it's a great fun guitar harmony to play it's just great yeah it is it is and you know metallica love guitar harmonies like as you say like you know we'll look at anything from you know master of puppets all the way up to the day that never comes and beyond that uh atlas rice has a huge yep. section of harmonizing in it like the, the guys love to play with that and um you know diamond head employed that as well and you, you know it, it's mad isn't it like they cover they cover a lot of bands on garage inc but there's only two bands that get covered four times diamond head and motorhead like you know the they clearly put these guys really as the vanguard of influence. Yeah, and I think that makes sense. I mean, I think they you, the, the song structure, I think, comes more, the unique song structure, the multiple parts, the breakdowns, that's more of the diamond heady mm-hmm. slash maiden type stuff. And then the more straightforward, almost punk element is, is Motorhead. And, they, and that's exactly what 
Metallica did so well was bring those two things together. And, uh, you know, and then after his section, we kind of get into another chorus here and the song wraps up, you know, it's four minutes, 25. It's a real punch in punch out, but it, but it's breathless. I don't think there's a note wasted. Absolutely not. I couldn't agree more. I think it's, again, one of the best covers they've done and they, what they did to the original, they did shorten it. They pulled off out of the, the last part of the original has that main riff again, which is great. I love it. it but I guess it, in some sense, it could be a little overkill and uh, they just, Decide, you know what, we're going to go out on that repeating riff that gets unresolved and just end it. And it, it really is kind of a cool, fun way to end it. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It's definitely one of their best. And just going to the Twitter now, at Metallica Pop, for some of your guys' feedback. Stan Drew says, just a B-side, no better. Doesn't compare well against their great covers, such as Bread Fans, Small Hours, and Turn the Page. I mean, I, I would disagree, personally. I'm sure you feel the same way. Absolutely. I, like I said, I think it's one of their best. Obviously, it's tough to compare with some of those other early songs, the Bread Fans, and... Yeah. But uh, it's it's absolutely awesome. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, it's up there. It's definitely up there. I think I, I really like Die Die My Darling as well, if we're talking covers from them. Merciful Fate. It's kind of hard to compare that to The Prince because it's kind of five songs in one. But um, I, I've been really going on a Merciful Fate kick uh, recently as well. John Bradshaw saying, uh, fuck yes. Now that's Metallica. Uh, <laughs> the demo version is just James on Lars on the Justice Box set. Shows why they're so good. Have you heard that? I've not, not actually heard that. Yeah, and there's another one, I think, on the... I thought it was on the Master of Puppets Yeah, there's one with Cliff, set. isn't there? Yeah. Yeah, there's a Cliff one in there. I think it doesn't have the solo. But yeah, I've listened to them. I don't. I wouldn't put them in my rotation, but it, they're, they're certainly fun to listen to. Mm-hmm. Michael Hampton saying on the Twitter, uh, fuck yeah, I was just telling some Metalla friends of mine not two days ago that I think this is my favorite Metalla cover, followed closely by Helpless and Bread Fan. I may be partial. I have the single on the cassette from back in the day. It was the flip side of Eye of the Beholder. Uh, hashtag old, he adds as well. Uh, Sean saying, love that song. Wish Metallica would play it more at live gigs. Ralph saying, this is without a doubt my absolute favorite Metallica cover of all time, with Bread Fan a close second. I remember the first time I heard this as a 12-year-old sometime in 1989 and just being completely blown away. It just shreds from top to bottom. Number one, uh, it's one of their freshest, fastest songs. Honestly, can you get any more metal than a song about making a deal with the devil? James just absolutely goes for it on vocals. I'm not sure uh, how he was ever able to sing again after recording this one. I love the rawness of the song due to the lack of production on it. Fucking amazing. This is Ralph's third tweet on the song, and I never curse on here. For your information, Tom, I think Twitter needs to give more characters to discuss these songs. So, yeah, people are in agreement quite clearly that The Prince is absolutely one of the best. Like, I even remember, like, how this Spotify playlist just all Metallica songs that I'll just, you know, put on shuffle or whatever. And just listen, my girlfriend was sitting next to me and this came up on shuffle. And even her, which she's not into metal, she's kind of headbanging, you know what I mean? It, it's irresistible, isn't it? That intro is just so rocking. Yeah, the propulsive riff just keeps you, picks you up from the start, gets you through the entire song. It comes back and it's extremely catchy, that riff. They really. Just amazing, amazing riff they wrote. It's been played 33 times. So it was debuted in 1982 in Anaheim, California. It's on March 14th. It was last played, uh, I believe it was the anniversary show, the 30th anniversary show, December 5th, 2011, San Francisco. I mean, it's not unlikely that it would come back on this or future tours, right? I'd love it. I mean, I would love to see it again. Uh, it was a amazing song to hear live i was at the uh shows they did in philadelphia in new, new york where they did the garage inc cover shows mm-hmm. um, that was amazing to see but yeah i don't i don't expect it to make the list at this point i'd love it but i'd be surprised okay um and any uh any final thoughts on this tune no i just think it's very interesting that it comes out of those 1988 uh 87 80 or 88 sessions with mike clink yep. as the as the quote producer if you will um, because it really kind of sounds like an and justice for all recording and i just always yeah. wondered if 
those songs continued, would they have sounded any really different than they did at the end, even if Clink ended up being the producer? I think the James and uh, Lars push to have the production the way it was on and justice for all would have probably overwhelmed anybody. So it just fits in with that time from a, a sonics uh, stage, but it's just such a great catchy tune. And you mentioned clink there as well. It's, it's odd, isn't it? He kind of had an incredible early career appetite and then justice. And then I think he co-produced rust in peace. And then he seems mm-hmm. to have sort of disappeared. You don't really hear about him anymore. Do you on big albums? No, I don't. Honestly, I haven't filed closely enough to to see where these different producers no. end up. But uh, you know, that was unfortunately some time ago. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. He may have moved on to a, an adult life somewhere. <laughs> yeah, maybe so. Yeah, I'm just on his Wikipedia now. It doesn't look like he ha- he produced the Sea Hags. That I've listened a little bit to kind of like Rocky Sleaze Band or whatever. But but yeah, no no big bands like the Boys or uh, GNR. So we will close up with a few quick fire questions, Rick. The first one is: What is your all time favorite Metallica song? So I'm going to cheat. I'm going to give you a classic thrash years, which is Sanitarium. Uh-huh. The Bob Rock years is Bleeding Me. Okay. And then what I'm calling the Rebirth Era, that was just your life. Yes, a lot of people pick that as well, and I, I totally agree. That is absolutely. How could you not like that yeah. song? Yeah. The riff is just unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Kirk's solo as well. Like it, it feels like Kirk's been chained since the say anger years, and he's just letting it yep. all out. Like, yeah, uh, love that song. Love James. Almost the way he raps the verse as well. It's just so rapid fire. Yeah, that is a, that is an incredible tune. Um, what about album of theirs? Uh, puppets. Yep. I won't be too creative there. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's puppets of justice. It seems to be either one of those two for the most part. Yeah. And, yeah, those first, those those three, Puppets, Justice, and Ride, depending on the day, it's almost impossible to pick one or the other. Another impossible question. Uh, favorite member? I'll go with Kirk. Yeah, No okay. one picks Kirk. No one does pick Kirk, yeah. I feel bad for Kirk. He's just <laughs> laid back. He does his thing. Maybe he's not the most creative guitar player, but, you know, he fits the band, at least from a style perspective, and and uh, he just seems like a, a, a good guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I think I think that's entirely true. And what about seeing them live? You mentioned you saw them on the covers, so I'm guessing you've seen them quite a few times. Yeah, I, I tried to. I went online and I looked it up. It looks like it'd be about 33 times over the years. 33 times. Yeah. but it, uh, to be fair, a lot of that was those early years. You know, yeah. when they would play, they played uh, five shows in 1989 in the New York City area. Yeah. So I, you know, that that adds up quickly. Recently, I've tried to go to at least one show on the tour. So I saw them for you know one of the Worldwide tour shows. And that that was enough. <laughs> Is there any that stick out to you in all the 33 times? Any best show? Uh, it'd be hard to. I was looking at yeah. some of the set lists just to remember. I mean, aside from the, the Electric Factory show in Philadelphia where they did all the Garage Days covers, that was pretty cool. Um, there was a show in MSG a couple of years ago on the World Magnetic Tour where they played Dyer's Eve and Trapped Under Ice. Um, the Orion show with Ride the Lightning in AC was pretty cool. I mean, That's cool. Those, those obviously stand out, but I don't know if they were the best shows. They were just, I think, more unique. Yeah. But I've been very lucky to see them as often as I have, yeah. and it's just – they're, every time they see them, it's, it doesn't matter how many times I see them play, you know, the intro to puppets, you get psyched up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, final question that I always ask, if you were to do a podcast like this about a band you love, what could you do on? Well, I was thinking and it probably wouldn't be like a metal or hard rock band. It'd probably be something more like the Smiths. Mm. Um, or maybe something on the career of uh, Bob Mould. I don't know if you know Bob Mould. Oh, from uh, Husker Du, right? Husker Du, yeah. Yeah, I've been getting into them. Heavy. Uh, Zen Arcade, what a record. 
Yeah, and that's just the start. I mean, that's just truly early when they're transitioning from that true kind of thrashy hardcore to yeah. a more melodic hardcore. And his career just goes nuts from there. And if you like the catchier tunes on uh, on Zen Arcade, I'd really recommend that you keep following his career. Uh, he just becomes a, a great solo artist who has catchy power pop, tons of guitar. Um, he's just got a very cool career. Yeah, that's okay. Cool. Yeah, um, I would always more of a replacements guy, and, and like whenever on Spotify or Last of Home, because I listen to them so much. Like you need to listen to Huskadoo, yep. and I'm slowly been getting into Huskadoo, and, and, and yeah, they're great. And yeah, the Smiths as well. I mean, the Smiths are you know one of the greatest bands ever. I think. Yeah, and Johnny Marr was just here, played uh, in uh, outside of New York City a couple days ago, and I got cool. to see that again. And it's just I could I could spend a lot of time talking about the Smiths. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Hatful of Hollow, right? That B sides album. Like astonishing record, and uh, so when you saw him, did he do any Smiths tunes? Or yeah, he does. He plays uh, about five or six tunes, depending on the year uh, on the tour. He's done. He's had a couple of albums recently. That again, if you like, let's call it '80s inspired rock. Uh, yes, Smith, yeah. Smiths like, but not as, but not as kind of, uh, I would say, wistful as the Smiths. But <laughs> but his his recent albums are great. So yeah, he plays a, a selection of some. He sticks with the some major ones but he went some deep cuts too he played uh he played a hat uh headmaster ritual which is nice. a pretty deep cut off yeah, of uh, his murder he's just and he's he's great he sings great he's got a great voice and his band is very tight yeah it doesn't seem to be a smith's podcast which is baffling to me because yeah like... i saw some things where there's been one or two episodes yeah. i haven't actually ever listened to them but um you know morris he's a unique guy yeah and uh, johnny moore's got a really special musical career i mean he does all sorts of stuff he doesn't just stick to uh, kind of yeah. traditional rock and roll film soundtracks he's done and like yep. modest mouse and yeah yeah he's been he's been all over yeah it's just it i just find it so weird like the certain but like you know there's there's 200 metallica podcasts which kind of makes sense but there's no megadeth podcast i don't think there's a slayer podcast there's not a nirvana podcast which i don't really get you yeah that's that, shocking to me yeah yeah, yeah. Like, me. like anyone listening if you want to get popular if you want to make a lot of money off patreon start on a, <laughs> on a podcast right now because people will listen to that people will, I, I will be there i'll be first in line so um i guess finally rick is there anything you'd like to promote yourself twitter or no i'm on twitter but unless you're interested in uh u.s hockey or professional wrestling right. or random music comments there's really no reason to follow <laughs> me <laughs> well um this has been great as always, get in touch with me, MetallicaPod at gmail.com. If you want to come on and do a song, I'll give you a list of what's available uh, at MetallicaPod. Oh, yeah, Stu's email as well. So if you want to go to the June 20th show or if you've got a ticket and you just want to hang out before the show, message me, MetallicaPod at gmail.com, and I'll get you in touch with him or let you know what's going on with the meetup. Patreon is there. iTunes is there. Um, what do we have coming up on the show? We've got Prince Charming, of course, the other Prince song coming out on this Thursday, then Pumping Blood and Purify. Then we get into the R's with Rebel of Babylon. Remember tomorrow, Ride the Lightning, Ronnie, and then the Ronnie Rising medley. And then we're into episode 122, which begins the S's. So, uh, yeah, Rick, this has been a fantastic chat. Thank you very much for coming on. Thank you, Tom. Appreciate all your hard work.